Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Palachuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl, and I'm joined today by Amy. Amy B. Hey, Carl. How are you? I am good. I am smoke-free. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was smoke-free. It is, uh, you know, when the pandemic came around and things shut down and people were whining and complaining, it was sort of like it just didn't bother my lifestyle at all because I'm an outside person and I work from home. So it just like played all my strengths. Uh, but this smoke from the fires, you know, pretty much all of Canada is on fire. I saw the other day, it's, um, it was something like there's 40, it's 10,000 10, kilometers or a thousand kilometers per Canadian citizen is on fire. Oh, it's man, that's woman, an and child. Yeah. It's a huge, huge amount. So even if they put every single person who exists in Canada and fighting the fires, it still wouldn't matter. Well, and it's uh, coming down through Chicago and the Great Lakes and uh, New York. And so it's covering uh, most of the United States, actually. There were 80 million people in the United States two days ago that had the classification of very unhealthy air. And Detroit and Chicago had the, um, the joy of being the most unhealthy air in the world at that, at that time. And it has honestly has not gotten any better. If I look out today, it looks like there's a fog just everywhere. Like I can see uh, whatever weather we're having now seems to have pushed this down to like the tree level. So when you look out, all the trees look like they're in a fog, even just across the street. Wow. Well, we had that out here for a few years. I mean, you remember the Paradise Fire and the entire city burned down. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm not I'm not happy that you have it, but I'm happy I don't have it. So. <laughs> I totally get that. I've got so. air cleaners running and uh, wake up in the morning with a sore throat. It's not good. Well, you know, in the in the pandemic, I would put on my mask, right, go into a store or whatever, and then I'd come out and I would take it off with that smoke. And I was like, oh, I'm putting my mask back on because I didn't realize how much, how effective it was against that smoke. So if you got masks and you're in the smoke area, uh, they're actually good for that that very stuff. So yeah, the N95s. I have you know a variety of brands accumulated from the pandemic still hanging around, so that was convenient. But some of them actually have been printed on them PM 2.5, which is the particulate size that they'll that they'll filter, and that's the per dangerous particulate from the smoke. So. Ah. Break out the masks, folks. Well, I will say that the cheap ones that people have always used for painting, uh, not particularly good for anything, really, but um, definitely not good for the smoke. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so that's that. I hope that you uh, have clear air soon and uh, that nobody nobody gets sick from it because, man, this is also the stuff that's worse than smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll try to stop whining for the rest of the podcast about that. All right, I, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> so you get 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, 
what I see this week is a lot of people asking questions that I don't know that they know that it boils down to this, but it boils down to they are stuck. They want to move from being a technician in their business to being an actual business owner, and they are stuck on the path. And a lot of that has to do with their unwillingness or their nervousness to hire that next person, you know, their, or their first person, right? How am I going to grow my business if I can't, you know, I, I need to hire somebody, but you know, how am I going to grow my business if I if I hire hire a person and they don't want to pay that person very much? And um, you know, when you're a business owner, kind of I remember that pain painful moments of hiring those first couple of people. Because I chose the path, and I know you and I have opposite ideas on this, but I chose the path of hiring people that were close to, if not as technical as I was, right? More technical people to bill more hours to make more money. And then, um, but those people are expensive. You know, I also made the decision to hire full-time employees that would stick around and want to work for the company, not, and people would be independent that I didn't have to sit there and manage all the time because my goal was to move toward getting away from that if I hired people that were right out of school or, you know, was a part-timer or that I was going to pay as a 1099, then I was going to have to babysit them. And that would take away my ability to make more money. Well, if you have doubled the amount of labor that you need to deliver, then hiring another full-time technician makes perfect sense. But if not, you don't really have a way to pay for them except your savings or getting a loan or something like that. So I, I totally see why people are stuck. There's no bigger change you can make in your company than going from one to two. Everybody you hire after that will be less than a 100% increase in the size of your business. So uh, it, is a, it is a huge challenge and you do have to have strategy and you have to figure out what your plan is. Um, yeah, I took a few... Uh, runs at hiring somebody and um, it, it it was extremely expensive. And what I finally settled on is hiring an administrative assistant who could do lots of non-technical stuff, free up my time to do more sales and uh, deliver more services at a much higher price. Um, and that is what allowed me to have enough uh, labor to hire somebody to be a technician. Um, so uh, I always think that people think that I'm in a technical business, so I should hire a technical person. Um, but I think an administrative uh, person who can help you do the billing, get the newsletters out, um, manage a lot of the client relationships, and today do a lot of stuff that's not technical at all. Creating Microsoft Office 365 is not a technical job. Uh, installing Office is technical. Um, setting up an account and making sure that some people's names are spelled right is not a technical job. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of stuff that people do today could easily be handled by an administrative assistant instead of a technician. So, I, yeah, I agree with that. You know, but what I did was just hustle harder. I just decided that I was going to hire that tech person and no, I couldn't really afford it yet, but I did it anyway. 
And then I just worked like mad to pay for it. And so, you know, my typical typical work week at that time was seven to seven, six days a week. That was just the norm because there was all that stuff to do. And I don't know, when you start a business, there is all that stuff to do, right? You're wearing like 12 different hats and it takes a while before you can, you know, start handing those off to other people. I just felt like I really needed other people that I could truly hand off and trust to go. And um, and I knew what the technical job does, so it was easy for me to figure out if they were doing the job right or doing the job wrong. So I will I ended- say, as odd as it sounds, that when I started right at the time when I decided to grow my business, uh, I also came down with rheumatoid arthritis and was incapable of working 12, let alone eight hours a day. Uh, and so I think it helped me to make good decisions in that I was never going to overwork myself because I it wasn't possible. I literally couldn't do it if I wanted to. And uh, so I grew my business in a way where it never required the owner to put in 10, 12 hours a week or a day. Uh, and so uh, I guess in some ways I'm lucky that that just that happened at, at just the right time. <laughs> Uh, I also have to say there's so many strategies today because it's so expensive to get people. You know, if you if you say I'm going to go out and get some generic person who knows something about IT, it's frequently seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year. And before you make that commitment, it might be worthwhile going to somebody who's a in the community college or somebody who is learning. And you know, again, you just mentioned that this is not your strategy, but my strategy. I loved interns. Uh, and I loved new graduates who, at 20 hours a week, they were affordable. At part-time, they were flexible. Um, and they knew that they weren't going to retire with me. But uh, I, I showed them my way of doing things. And uh, that, that allowed them to grow into being good technical professionals. And yeah, it does take some babysitting. Um, but I know that I'm also... I'm growing people that I can I can trust to do things my way. So uh, that that was my strategy. You know, there's a, a million ways to do this. Uh, so I, people just mainly have to have a plan <laughs> and execute. Oh, yeah, they have to have the guts to do it. You know, it's, I think it just does, either way, either direction you choose, whether it's your direction or my direction, if you don't have the guts to do it, because it is a risk and it is scary and you just have to create whatever plan that you're going to be comfortable with and like you said just just execute it just to do it i will say a couple things first of all the the hosts here so james and you and me i think any one of us We'll do a 20 minute zoom call with anybody who's listening and if, if you say look i'm just completely lost please dear god help me uh i think we would all take that call and we would we would have a conversation now we can't do much in 20 minutes but we can at least point you in the same in the right direction and and uh show you some resources and get you headed uh in the right direction so i'll I'll throw that out there i would also say a lot of this comes down to delegation and some people are afraid to delegate because obviously nobody will do it as well as I can. Nobody will do it as fast as I can. Nobody else will will understand the big picture. Nobody else loves the client as much as I do. 
Nobody else is responsible for the rent and the electrical bill. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of fear in delegation, but you and I have both got to the point in our businesses where the first thing we do is, hey, we've got a new project. Who can do that so I don't have to do it myself? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's all being a business owner is all about mastering delegation, right? It's um, early on, I realized that when I began hiring employees, my job was to give away my job. And little by little, over the course of many years, I just kept giving it away and giving it away and giving it away. And um, I also, too, remember agonizing over um, how, you know, how am I going to keep my technical employees from running off with my clients, right? That was always a big thing in the, in the community. People talked about that all the time. Oh, they hired this person and then, and then, you know, they left and they took 10 of my clients with them. So fortunately right. that never did happen to me, but I did agonize over that. Like, you know, and there were all these strategies of how you can keep your technicians separate from your clients. Don't make sure they don't have their cell phone number, make sure they're using a generic email address, like all this stuff to try to keep your client, your clients and your techs at an arm's length from each other. I just couldn't figure out how that worked. And so then we'll just one day I was just like, okay, I'm not going to worry about that because <laughs> I could put in so much time and effort into worrying about that, that I would end up spending more money worrying about that than I would be about if the problem actually happened in the great right. someday, right? <laughs> well, and also the only people who are going to do that are A, unscrupulous people, who B, have some kind of an owner's mindset. They want to own a company. And so the, the reality is 99% of all the people in the world don't want to own a company, <laughs> right? right? So. So that means 99% of the, all the technicians out there have no interest in ever owning a company, taking your clients, going through the massive amount of work. You know, you talk about all the hats you wear. They don't even know how many hats they wear. Um, and most people love going to work, being excellent at what they do, getting a little recognition, getting a paycheck and going home. And if Amy's having trouble because of these regulations or that bank or this client, they don't care. <laughs> It's not their problem, right? Right. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I've in all my years of hiring, I don't think I've ever run into a tech that wanted to start their own business. They're all like, nope. Well, I've <laughs> I had, like I like to go home at night and just turn it off and not think about it till tomorrow. It's like you I've, are not I've a had three owner. of them. So one was a guy named Nico whose company I bought, right? So he moved from owning that company to being a manager in my company. And he only lasted, you know, well, he stayed with us a, a, a few years, but basically he moved on to something where he could go own a different job, right? Second one was my brother Manuel, who had owned many companies. He became president of mine for about three years and then got bored and moved to Florida, right? And then there was Michael who eventually bought my company. <laughs> so, you know, those owner-manager types are out there. But at the end of the day, if you have a good relationship with your clients, your clients are going to call you and say, hey, this guy is talking to me about, you know, me coming to his company. And what, you know, your clients are not going to leave you unless they are primed to be done with you. Yeah, no, I, I did have a, a tech that we fired once. And um, and a couple of weeks later, I got a, a call from a client saying, 
A, uh, this dude sent us an email asking if we had any any work for him that he was available, you know, to take on take on, you know, any anything they needed him to do. And their their thing was just like, just wanted to let you know that this is going on, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because they are also small business owners who don't want their employees to do that to them either. Right. And it was like, yeah, we, you know, we did fire him for a reason. So it would be dumb for any and you do hear the occasional horror story where somebody did leave and steal clients and whatever. But I, I always have to say to the owner, that's kind of your fault. Like you were not building that relationship. You were letting them build the relationship and you were not maintaining that client. And the, the client loved your employee more than they love you. And, uh, you know, <laughs> at, yeah. at some point uh, you have to accept that you played some role in that. Plus, it's also the case very frequently that the folks who have that issue have been ignoring their business. You know, you can delegate too much. Well, I guess there's a line between delegate and abdicate, right? If you abdicate your business, well, then your employees are going to run it however the hell they want. So. Yeah. James had a really interesting uh, smart person that he interviewed last week, and he's got another success story this week. With somebody named Sarah. So we should have a listen. IT Service Provider University helps you improve the business side of your business. We launched IT Service Provider University in 2013, and today we offer more than 20 courses on every aspect of running your consulting business. ITSPU provides training and pathways to certification for individual IT service providers as well as company-level certifications. Pathways include management, technician, sales and marketing, service manager, and front office. Learn more about professional classes and certification at ITSPU.com. It's time for 5 Minutes with Somebody Smart. Anyway, Sarah, tell tell everybody a little bit more about, about your background. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm living in France now. So I can kind of reverse engineer to how I got here and just a bit about my journey. Um, when I was in my senior year of college, I was starting to freak out a bit about what I was going to do and have like, and just the idea that I was going to have to get a regular job, like a <laughs> nine to five yeah. desk job. And yeah. I'm I'm a creative. And so to creatives being at a desk from nine to five is a terrifying idea. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I was, uh, I was studying journalism and I knew that digital marketing was really on the rise. And a lot of my journalism classes were beginning to shift towards digital marketing, how to build websites, graphic design, storytelling, um, social media optimization and all of that. And it was really interesting to me. And so I just started freelancing, doing social media marketing. Um, and I was like, well, this is really fun. It combines a lot of my different interests and talents, and I'm having fun creating really beautiful things for mm -hmm. people's businesses and brands. Um, so from there I graduated and I did get a desk job. However, I specifically picked an, uh, a job at an agency that had unlimited vacation because and where I could nice work, yeah where I could work from home they paid me crap like unlivable like I yeah. lived with my parents which is fine but I literally could not afford to not live with my parents but I could travel 
So that was major for me and I could kind of work when it worked best for me. So that's all I cared about at 21 years old. And Um, and this, this was a big marketing agency, right? Yeah, it was a big marketing agency. Um, Now they're based out of Omaha, Nebraska. I worked in the Lincoln, Nebraska office. So after living in Colorado, I moved back to Lincoln just to start my first job and see where I wanted to go. (laughs) How how long were you there before you kind of broke off on your own? I was only there for a year. And that whole time I was still freelancing uh, on the side because, again, I wanted to be able to do things. (laughs) And, uh, I, it was interesting because I don't think they ever had anyone take so much advantage of the free vacation portion of uh, the benefits. (laughs) And I just happened to be an employee that had flight benefits. (laughs) So I was like, you know, every six weeks, you know, going to Europe and I was, you know, getting all of the work done. Clients were happy, but they just were very uncomfortable with someone traveling that much. And so the second they started to get on my case is when I just threw in the towel and I was like, you know what? I'm not even hardly making anything here. I'm just going to grow my freelance side of things. Like there's no, I have no uh, major responsibilities right now and let's see where things go. So I learned a lot about just the process of a project from onboarding a new client to, you know, a year, two years down the line and just kind of what that client interaction looks like, which I've learned now from working with so many other freelancers who've never had that professional setting or agency experience is like very important and very, a very unique skill set for someone who is now not working in a traditional office setting. So it was really important for that. I remember having a call with you on a Zoom meeting and it was when COVID hit and it just, I just saw, uh, you know, you were in an apartment in Lincoln, Nebraska, you were just getting things going. And I remember working with you early on about where things started and you started from scratch, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've taken this now international into a full a full marketing agency, branding agency. You work with clients all around the world. You've got a huge and super talented team. Uh, what, what do things look like for the business today? Today, it's really exciting. So yeah, like it was just me at first. And I think what I learned quickly was if I wanted to grow, I needed to hire people, which was mm-hmm. hard for me. I, you probably remember it being a little difficult for me at times because I'm I just, I'm a perfectionist and I want to keep things close and I want to have my touch on everything and I can't duplicate myself. But so now we have a team. I have copywriters, graphic designers, engagement managers, project managers, um, and they're all remote and they're all over the U.S. and Canada. Um, And so we just communicate through Slack, through Zoom meetings all day. Um, But that's kind of been cool just to see the growth and it has allowed me to focus more on other aspects of my life that are really interesting to me, as well as the overall picture of the agency and kind of where we want to go from there. How do you, um, how do you feel like you, what's some of your secret sauce of kind of managing and motivating those team members on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis? What, what types of things do you do? So we do a weekly team meeting 
And at the beginning of every team meeting, we, I, I have like a funny meme or a video, just like, that's like the top of the agenda. So <laughs> it just, I want to like set the tone to be like light and fun because this is a creative team. And so, you know, we don't want to, if things are too serious, it's going to dampen the quality of work of everything. Right, right. So we start with that and then we spend the first like 15 minutes just kind of going around and talking about our week, what went well, what 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 didn't go well, like outside of work, just our personal life, um, things we're looking forward to, like vacations, etc. Um, and then after that, we actually go into kind of talking about what's going on within projects and what needs to get done here and there. But I really just try to make the environment. I mean, we're remote workers. Most of my team is also young. And so I just try to make it as loose and fun as possible because I already know that it's not always fun, especially post-COVID, getting on another Zoom meeting. Um, So I just, I try to make it relaxed and fun. And I also just try to remain approachable to people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've done an amazing job of that. What types of services do you offer? And then tell us what's new. Yeah. So when I first started, I really actually have kind of done a reversal. I started advertising just like digital marketing in general. Um, But when I first started working, the social media was the most popular. So I was like, I'm just going to put it all into that because I'm alone right now. And I need to just like be focused and kind of have a service niche. So mm-hmm. that's been the main focus of things up until um, probably like the past six months. And now we're offering not just social media, but also email marketing, um, blog writing, SEO, anything like that. Um, also webinars and online masterclass services and the funnel that goes along with those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've actually kind of packaged a new service. It's called the Full Funnel Effect Um And really the inspiration behind creating it was that, you know, I have all these clients that maybe just do social media or just do email or, um, are just wanting to write blogs and they're frustrated. They're like, how am I, like, why am I not making more sales or why am I not getting more clients? And the reason is because they're only catching their audience at one phase in the funnel and in, in one channel. And especially in the world of online marketing and the internet, you have to make so many touches with someone before you build that like, no trust factor before they even want to inquire with you. So if you can catch someone on a social media post, but also they're on their email list and also they're signing up for your free masterclass, you're getting in a lot more of those touches and you're building that trust with them, which can then lead to more sales calls and discovery calls. So I'm just trying to kind of solve that frustration with mm-hmm. clients and with people who have been frustrated with digital marketing and a little burnt out from it and not seeing results and mm-hmm. showing them kind of the full picture of what a robust digital marketing strategy looks like for them. Any final words of wisdom before uh, before we sign out? I would say you have to build your day-to-day life and the structure of how you work as an entrepreneur in a way that works for you. Entrepreneurs get so wrapped up in serving and helping others, which is also a great quality to have, but you often forget about yourself. And that's when the exhaustion and the burnout kicks in. And when that happens, then you can't help anyone. So mm-hmm. looking at your day, if you're feeling really tired and burned out and seeing how can I build my dream life just on my daily routines and how I'm taking care of myself before I take care of my business. Um, That's been life-changing for me. And I feel like that could be life-changing for other people too. 
Yeah, well said. Well said. That's perfect. That's perfect. So how can people get in touch with you? Um, should they follow you on social media? Uh, how, how can how can folks stay uh, connect with you? So you can uh, get in contact with the digital marketing agency, Hanson Collective. You can find us on Instagram at Hanson Collective and Hanson is spelled with an E. Um, And then our website is also HansonCollective.com. And then you can find out more about my consulting business. Um, The Instagram, it's a little tricky, but it's Sarah with two H's period Hanson, Hanson with an E. So Sarah Hanson. And then you can listen to my podcast on Spotify. It's the never nine to five podcast with Sarah Hanson. The final topic I wanted to talk about today is about technology that we didn't expect. You know, I have been talking about driverless cars and, and, you know, E vehicles and E this and E that for at least seven or eight years. And I thought that they would be everywhere all the time. They're not yet. But what I didn't see coming is the associated technology that makes perfect sense, which is these car manufacturers are now in the battery business and, in fact, in the home electronic business. Anything that's related to you and the the power that is generated, uh, they want to be part of that. And it's sort of like it, it makes perfect sense if you're going to have a fleet of e-vehicles. Eventually, you're going to put in a charging station in, into your house. And then it's like, oh, why don't I have that vehicle charge my battery for my house? And then I don't have to pay uh, the, the electrical company for it. And so it's kind of this new thing where I have to admit, I didn't see it coming, but it makes perfect sense to me. Well, if you're an expert at creating storage with batteries and you're an expert at generating power, then why not? You know, all they need, I mean, they they, they need the car to generate power for the house. I don't know, but I have seen that commercial. I think it's for Ford or GM where the truck pulls up and powers out at the house. So they just plug into the car and the house house powers up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the new F one hundred and fifty is all about powering your entire house from your truck. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it's it more more on the generator side, right? Your power at your house is out for some reason, and you need this as a temporary situation, not right. as a permanent situation. But you know, Tesla sells the whole house battery. Right. They connect it to a couple of solar panels on your roof, and because they have battery expertise. I'm making cars. So they're like, well, what else can we use this for? Yeah. I know um, Ford and maybe the other autos do this too, but I know for a fact that Ford actually had a contest internally to say, we have a ton of technology that we use to make automobiles. What else can we make with this technology? Right? They just decided to have a diversity initiative like, and have their People tell them like, oh, well, we could we could use this widgety thing for this. And right. Ford's diversifying like mad. It's really interesting to see their business um, change and grow. I will also say the Ford, the new F- F-150 is about the size of a house. <laughs> everything's, everything's getting bigger. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Like we've decided to only manufacture trucks. And right. so now everything that's new is a truck and they're just bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I don't know why. Nobody yeah, I, actually needs that. 
I, I have driven a dump truck. I used to work at a lumber yard. And so I have driven a dump truck. I'm not sure I want one in my my garage, right? I'm not sure one would fit in my garage. So I don't know. Anyway. I have driven one of those super long recycling trucks. Oh yeah? Yep. And I've I've driven like 24 foot box trucks and yeah, they're awkward. So I don't know if you know what a tomato truck looks like, but around Sacramento, so Sacramento's tomato capital of the world, right? So what they do is they get the college students from UC Davis to drive these trucks. And it's a big, long truck, and they have all of the tomatoes in the back, and they can only go forward. They are only trained to drive this truck forward because there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of skill level in backing up one of these trucks. So when they get to where they need to go, somebody else backs it up. So these people are you know, literally 18, 19 years old. They have been trained to drive this truck forward on the freeway. And uh, they are very frequently, uh, not frequently in accidents, but it's not unusual for them to be in accidents during tomato season. It's also what not unusual to see- What does a truck look like? It, it looks like a very long open top container, but they're okay. as long as any other, you know, big diesel truck. Like um, a roll-off calling vehicle? Like the- Kind of, yeah. And yeah. and then, you know, the the when they exit on the freeway, it's slightly curved. And so- there's big piles of tomatoes on the side of the road everywhere. So I'll, I'll, I should post some pictures. because You don't um, have to ever buy tomatoes in Sacramento. You just pause by the side of the road oh, and yeah. scoop up a few. If you watch them roll <laughs> off the truck, right, then you know it's reasonably fresh, right? So we, we actually, when I first moved here, I, I referred to them as roadkill tomatoes. So Slightly bruised. Exactly. Well, not anymore because they they pick the damn things completely green. And so it's, you know, they just sort of bounce down the road. So, <laughs> uh, but you don't want to drive behind them because the ones at the bottom had been squished a little. And there's that, you know, sort of constant dripping of very sticky stuff coming out the bottom. Imagine how hardy these, these factory farm tomatoes have to be in order to be stacked up that high. And oh, yeah. They have absolutely no taste. And, yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy that. That could be a, a nice new commercial for uh, who is it that does the mayhem? In, the insurance, oh, yeah, yeah. The mayhem guy, yeah, the whole tomato thing. Um, I saw a mayhem driving down the road the other day. That's what we call it now whenever we see something crazy. But there was a pickup truck filled with um, logs that were cut to be in your fireplace, right? So they're, you know, about right. a foot long, stacked up in the shape of a pyramid. No no straps holding them in <laughs> and they were well above the sides of the pickup truck and it was like we're pulling up on this and it's like get around quickly <laughs> mayhem is about to occur exactly so i uh, if you google tomato trucks and and look on at the images you will see very accurate pictures that i'm afraid my friends will do it we'll leave you with the tomato trucks and the mayhem uh, but we hope that you have a spectacular week if you like it, share it with your friends, and we'll see you next time on the SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.